It is May 2013, and resident historian Doug Kent Crispin is drinking a beer next to a volcano in fucking southeast Portland. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked-out history folks at ORHistory.com. We profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. Kick-Ass Oregon History is a presentation of ORHistory.com and is supported by listeners like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit ORHistory.com and click Donate. Today's podcast is brought to you by Collage. Mixed Media, Doug Kane Crispin. Whether you're making an explosive volcano model for your kid's science fair project or a kick-ass Oregon history diorama, Collage has you covered. Collage has a huge selection of drawing, painting, paper crafting, jewelry making, rubber stamping, card making, and children's art supplies. Collage also hosts classes, parties, private rentals, and workshops. With two convenient locations, in the Alberta Arts District and Historic Selwood, the materials for your artistic endeavors are always close at hand. Check them out at collagepdx.com and get your craft on. Collage. A long, long time ago, animal people and man people spoke the same language. These earth people lived in the land of the Umquas, whose home was on the bank of a river where there were many fish. They lived in the shadow of a great mountain. In the long ago time, that mountain was high, and forever the top was covered with snow. Below that snow there were trees, there were meadows where the grass grew high, and young animal people played in the sun. On this mountain lived the bear, the deer, the panther and the elk, with animal cousins and friends who came there and had much talk. The man people, they came. They talked with the animal people. All were friends, those people. An evil chief grew up among the man people. He said he was greater than Old Man God, who was the chief of the world. 
He said the people should obey him. He put bad thoughts in the minds of the man people. They began to kill the animal people. The animal people were scared. They were saddened. Why did their friends do these things to them? They talked to their tamanus, the great spirit, those animal people. They said their friends were killing them. If they were all killed, Tamanus would have few people left to rule. It would be the end of the world. They said that. Old Man God was worried. That wicked chief was leading the people away from his council. That chief had a bad tongue. He told the man people that Tamanus was a selfish god because Tamanus said it was wrong to kill the animal people. He told the people these things, that bad chief. May 18th is the anniversary of one of the most dramatic volcanic explosions in recent memory. On that date in 1980, Mount St. Helens exploded in that state to the north of us. To put it quite simply, the entire side of the mountain just blew off. One cubic kilometer of pulverized rock a chunk equivalent to 400 of Egypt's Great Pyramids, was blown into the sky. Millions of trees were uprooted or snapped at their bases instantly. The explosion was so loud that it was heard in Vancouver, British Columbia. A cloud of ash and other blasted material rose to a height of 12 miles. This cloud was so huge that a thin shadow was cast over the entire United States. In just one moment, Mount St. Helens was 1,300 feet shorter, and 57 people were dead. After a helicopter flight over the demolished zone, President Jimmy Carter stated that it was one of the most devastating natural explosions our nation has ever known. But don't feel left out, dear ass kicker. The Beaver State has had some phenomenal volcanic eruptions to hang our braggy hat on. In Oregon, volcanoes are all around us. We are literally surrounded by volcanoes. Even in the city of Portland, volcanoes are truly in our midst. Get on the number 14 bus, and you can actually ride it to a volcano. Part of the 
disappointingly named Boring Lava Field, Mount Tabor Park contains an extinct cindercone volcano. The most famous of its brethren, the Mount Tabor Volcano is one of 32 or possibly even 50 cinder cones and small shield volcanoes in the boring lava field. These plentiful cones and volcanoes are grouped within the 13-mile radius of Tweaker Central, Kelly Butte, which, luckily for you Portland hipsters, has been inactive for about 300,000 years. Kelly Butte was a volcano before volcanoes were cool. So what exactly is a volcano? To assist us in our Vulcan studies, resident historian Doug Kent Crispin spoke with Dr. Scott Burns, professor of geology at Portland State University. Volcano is a mountain that is made out of its own eruptive products, and you get magma coming out of the ground as it comes out. It uh, uh, solidifies around the vent and builds up a mountain after eruption, after eruption, after eruption. So, and we have a lot of them here in the Pacific Northwest. So can you describe to us what's happening when a volcano erupts? Well, deep down in the earth, there is rock that is turning into liquid. And so it's turning into magma. Magma is lighter than the surrounding rock, and it will rise up to the surface and then come to the surface. Now, there are different types of magmas which produce different types of volcanoes. And so uh, in the Cascades, we have what we call composite volcanoes, and they are produced by magma that would produce a rock that we call andesite. And then, uh, then we have Mount Sylvania in the Portland area, large mountain to the east of us. Uh, those are volcanoes that we call shield volcanoes. And those are made out of primarily a darker magma called mafic magma. And when they solidify, they become basalt. And then you also have smaller volcanoes like what we call cinder cones. Uh, you find one out at Mount Tabor, for instance, and those also are primarily much smaller in size, uh, and they are made out of also basalt. They come out around the vent, the magma shoots up into the air, comes back down, very steep sides. Uh, and uh, then in the dome of Mount St. Helens, uh, you have what we call a dome. Uh, in, in the crater, we have what we call a dome. And that is made out of uh, a rock that is more silica-rich, more quartz-rich, and that's what we call basite, uh, which is getting close to rhyolite, which is uh, very quartz-rich. And so that is a different type of volcano, but it's inside a composite volcano that's Mount, uh, Mount St. Helens. So different volcanoes are created by different types of magma coming out of the ground. Geovolcanoes, low angles. Uh, as you get, get into composite volcanoes, the angles on the sides of the slopes get steeper. And then finally, the steepest ones are going to be the cinder cones. So those are some of the different volcanoes that we have got. Why do we have magma coming out of the ground? Well, we have... Off of the coast, we have a, a plate, an ocean, uh, oceanic plate that is going underneath North America, uh, and uh, that's called the Juan de Fuca plate. As it goes down underneath us, uh, it melts and comes back to the surface, and that brings up the magma. Eastern Oregon, we had for many, many years, we had a hot spot there where we have magma coming from deep down in the mantle, rising up to the surface, uh, and now. 
uh, creating most of the basalt that we have uh, in the area. Uh, just flowed to lower elevations, came down the Columbia River and solidified. So a lot of the rock in the Portland area is of that nature. And then uh, that hot spot now is under Yellowstone National Park because North America has moved over it. Shyam the bear was chief of the animal people. He had an honest tongue and spoke good words. His people loved him. He called all the animal people together to the council house on the side of the mountain. When they talked about the troubles of the animal people, they said, We will call Tamanus. He will give us good counsel. He will tell us what to do. Shyam said to Eagle, You go tell Tamanus. We need him to talk to us. Ask him to meet us in the council house. Eagle went. Eagle told Old Man God that Manchief wanted to betray Bear, that Chief wanted to steal Bear's power and make him a slave. Then all the animal people would become slaves of the man people. These things Eagle told Tamanus when Tamanus asked Eagle why he came to that place. Tamanus told Eagle. Tamanus had said, when the moon was straight up, the animal people gathered in the council house. Tamanus kept his promise. He came. He told the animal people to leave, but they were afraid to go. They knew no place to go. They did not know what to do, those sad people. They were afraid not to obey Tamanus. Their minds were not quiet. Bear went to sleep for many moons. He woke up. On the first day, he told the birds to leave. On the third day, 
he told all the other animals to obey Tamanus. Crawfish could not go. He cried. He said, I will dig a hole. I will stay here. Eagle said, No, you cannot stay here. Crawfish said, How can I go? Eagle said, Hang on to my foot. Crawfish got ready to go. Wildcat came. He saw Crawfish was happy. He saw Crawfish was going to leave. Wildcat said, Where are you going? Crawfish said, I'm going with Eagle. I will hang on to his foot. Wildcat said, No, you cannot go on Eagle's foot. I'm going to eat you. Eagle heard this. He flew down and took Wildcat's ears in his talons. He ripped them. Wildcat screamed. His ears hurt. He backed away and spit. After that, all cat animals have tufted ears. All cat animals walked backwards and spit. Wildcat nursed those ears that were sore. He watched Eagle fly away with crawfish. He went to bear that wildcat. He said he was going to tell the man chief that Bear was sending all the animal people away. He said Tamanus told Bear to do that. foggy, one of the men went out and killed a fine buck. At nine we proceeded on, but could not see the country we were passing on account of the fog, which was very thick till noon when it disappeared, and we had a beautiful day. We, at the time, came to the mouth of a river on the south side, a quarter of a mile broad, but not more than six or eight inches deep, running over a bar of quicksand. At this place we dined on venison and goose, and from which we could see the high point of a mountain covered with snow in about a southeastern direction from us. Our commanding officers are of the opinion that this is Mount Hood, discovered by a lieutenant of Vancouver who was up this river about 75 miles. Sergeant Patrick Gass, November 3rd, 1805. Mount Hood has a deep history of blowing the fuck up. There is some evidence suggesting that this volcano has had four major eruptions in the last 15,000 years, with three in the last 1,800 years and the last major eruption occurring as late as the 18th century. Professor Burns took some time to chat about Mount Hood. The most recent eruption occurred in 1782. It's called the Old Maid Flats eruption. Uh, it occurred on the western side of the volcano. 
Uh, and it was mostly localized. There was a little bit of local ash, a little bit of uh, lava that came out. But it did uh, uh, cause a large, what we call debris avalanche, a big landslide that came down that eventually became a, a, a lahar, a slurry that came down the Sandy River. Uh, and that uh, went all the way down to Troutdale and kind of uh, put frosting on the cake uh, of the delta that, is, that was formed actually by the previous eruption, which was in 1500. We call that the Timberline eruption of Mount Hood. So 1782 was the last one. Lewis and Clark, when they came down the Columbia River, they, uh, they camped at Troutdale. They had problems getting down to the river. They called it the Quicksand River because of those Lahar deposits that were still a little soupy that were there. We've shortened the name of that river to the Sandy River since that time. Our final volcano is the central feature of the Umpqua legend you have been hearing throughout today's podcast. This volcano produced massive eruptions that interrupted long, peaceful periods over a time span of half a million years. We asked Professor Burns about the most fantastic volcanic eruption in Oregon history. Uh, oh, the, the most spectacular is going to be Crater Lake, Mount Mazama. Uh, and Mount Mazama um, erupted about 7,000 years ago, and uh, that was a composite volcano. Very, very silica-rich or quartz-rich magma, which makes it more explosive. Uh, and as a result, uh, you had ash and cinder and rapilli and pumice that went all the way up into Canada and all over the Pacific Northwest. That is the most spectacular of the modern, uh, well, within the last 10,000 years, eruptions. Mount Mazama's eruptions were 40 times greater than Mount St. Helens' famous 1980 event. Mazama produced a layer of six inches of ash that covered over 5,000 square miles. The pumice desert in Crater Lake National Park has ash from Mount Mazama that is 50 feet deep. This cataclysmic event caused the volcano to collapse and left a 3,000-foot-deep, massive, bowl-shaped caldera. And once rain and snow filled this hole up, Crater Lake was born. Or at least, that's how the geologists say it happened. Man-chief was mad. He sent a runner to tell Bear to come to his lodge. Then the man-chief waited. All that time, Wildcat was lazy by the fire. He had a pretty bushy tail. He waved it back and forth and watched it from the side of his eye. He was vain, that person. Wildcat thought, Now, nah, Man-Chief will kill Bear. Wildcat will be chief of the animal people. That runner came back. He was scared. No bear. No eagle. No wolf. No little animal people. No fish. No birds. They had all gone away. The runner told that man-chief those things. Man-chief was mad. He went outside to do his war chant. 
he raised his arms and told Tamanus he had to come to his lodge. He told Tamanus that thing, that man-person. Wildcat wanted that man-chief to look at him. He waved his tail and grinned that cat. Man-chief looked at Wildcat. He said, You, leave this place. I do not like you. Wildcat would not go. He bent his back and walked backward. He spat. Man-chief picked up that wildcat. He held wildcat over the fire until his tail was burned off close to his back. Man-chief said, There, wildcats will have no tails. The great Tamanus came on a big wind. He looked at wildcat. He asked the chief of the man-people what he had done to Wildcat's tail. Man-chief said, I have burned it off. I do not like him. He wants to be chief. Tamanu said, You have hurt the only person that liked you. Wildcat was your Man-chief said, No, I will stay here. Then a great wind came from the top of that mountain. The man-people had to lay flat on the ground. Trees fell and pulled their roots from the earth. Man-people could not breathe that hot wind. They called for rain. Tamanu said, The mountain vomited fire. The mountain flew high in the air. Then it sat down on the earth, and a sound like thunder shook everything. Now the mountain had no top. There was a big hole in that top. A long time this hole filled up with water, that grew deep, deep. The man-people were all dead. Their bodies were gone. Their spirits walked over rough rocks. Tom 
Manu said, I will put the souls of the man people in that big water hole on the top of the mountain. They will stay there forever. Their lodges will be in the bottom of that hole. He put the chief of the man people in that hole. He changed him to a woman to shame that chief. He became a witch. The dead people live in that lake. They are evil people. They were destroyed because they were like that. Bear came back. He called all the animal people to come back. They came. The big animals with the little animals, the fish and the birds, all came back. Bear was not happy. His people were not happy. Bear said to the Great Spirit, Send us the man-people. We are lonesome. We want to talk to them. Tamanu said, I will send you man-people, but you cannot talk to them. Man-people and animals same language again. Tamanus put man-people on the earth. They were Indians, those people. Old man God told them never to go on the mountain with a hole in the top. He said bad medicine was there. The Umquas and their friends, the Kalipuyas, the Klamaths, they do not go near that hole. They are afraid. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts by our crew. We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was brought to you by Collage. It was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug Kank Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Check out our website at orhistory.com. There, you can subscribe to the podcast and have it delivered through RSS directly to your device. 
You can sign up for our exciting Oregon history events, pick up Oregon history merchandise, get a list of songs featured in each podcast, receive extra insights into podcast topics, and read of our adventures as Oregon's rock and roll historians. Kick-Ass Oregon History is supported by listeners like you, and we are looking to do more. Soon, we will ask your help with a big new project. In the meantime, share the podcast with your ass-kicking friends and stay tuned for our announcement. You can also support the podcast today. Go to orhistory.com and click Donate. Follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore History. You can also like us on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Thanks to Professor Scott Burns for talking with us about Oregon volcanoes. And as always, we'd like to thank our friends at Eastside Distilling, crafters of Burnside Bourbon, for their generous support. And coming up on Tuesday, June 18, 2013 at 7.30 p.m., please join resident historian Doug Kent Crispin at the Jack London Bar at Southwest 4th and Alder, underneath the Rialto Pool Room in downtown Portland, as he discusses the Great Flood of 1894. This event saw the high watermark of the Willamette River in the city of Portland and is an amazing story to examine. We'll look at photos from the event and enjoy some of the best drink specials in town. So why don't you come on down on Tuesday, June 18th for the Great Flood? Just don't get too close to Mr. Kent Crispin. He's liable to blow his top. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. Tastes pretty good, Andy. I think this is against the law. I feel like a rebel drinking at Oli in fucking Southeast Portland. Okay. I'm gonna record it one more time.